baby, you are gonna go broke showing turkeys like these. It's turkey time. Come on, come on. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Let's Talk Turkeys. I'm your host, Movie Miss, and my co-host, Drive-In Dave, is off this week. I'm going to be discussing a movie that is definitely a turkey, and I wasn't going to talk about it by myself. So y'all get ready, because I brought back Miss Nikki Flicks. Hello, ma'am. I'm here. (laughs) Back by popular demand. (laughs) Oh, oh, I, all three people who demanded I do another episode with you. I mean, thank you guys. Really appreciate you. The Venmo money's coming. It just isn't paid yet. So the movie that I had to have you back for, Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice from 1992. Yes, it it was near and dear to my heart then. And uh, I poke at it with a stick from time to time. So I'm very excited to talk about this movie. We have just witnessed a terrible tragedy. It all began here. We are one. In these fields. We are one. With the children of the corn. We are one. What happened is over, Mrs. Burke. It's over. We are one. A bunch of kids killed all the adults in town. It's your basic Sunday afternoon in the Bible Belt. But... The adult's nightmare isn't over yet. People are actually worried about problems with our sweet, innocent children. There's something out there. There's something. It's evil. It's gotten a hold of our children. Did you see what happened? The blood was for the corn. Based on the shocking short story from Master of Horror Stephen King. Have you ever seen evil? It works through the children. This is Children of the Corn 2. Walks behind the rose commands that we rid the land of all the defiance of the corn. I don't want you hanging around with these kids. They were adults. We have seen the way of that world, and it is evil. There is a power greater than all, and it is within us. The blood of those that defile the corn must flow into the earth. So rewatching it, I had noticed it's called The Final Sacrifice. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, it really wasn't, though. (laughs) (laughs) Until part three. (laughs) It's final for the next two or three years. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know why they called it that. Uh, So it's it's a breezy hour 34. It flies by because it's so crazy. It's crazy train. Does it, though? Does it fly by or does it slowly roll its way down the street? <laughs> for me, it giving flies you by. ample time for the anticipation to build. Ample time. <laughs> yeah, this movie isn't tense nor scary, but yet it's in the Children of the Corn franchise, so I thought it works for spooky season. Oh, it it really does. No, there's a lot of things about this movie that frighten me, but <laughs> none of them were intentional. Perfect for Let's Talk Turkeys. So it is a turkey, uh, Rotten Tomato critic score, 30%. Audience, not enough ratings to have a score. <laughs> I don't think enough people even went and saw it for it to even make its budget back, let alone give it a review. Mm-mm. 
Oh, Lord, no. It had a $1.3 million budget. Box office of $7 million U.S. because it did go to theaters. I mean, Cone is cheap. So where did that budget even go? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they <laughs> catering for the crew and we'll get to that. But they had plenty of corn <laughs> at their disposal. I mean, but, it's corn for breakfast, corn for lunch, <laughs> and then a sensible dinner. So where'd the budget go? Nobody knows. Maybe maybe it, too, decided to leave Gatlin and go to New York. I don't know. So it was shot primarily in North Carolina, where they had a lot of corn, apparently. Originally going to be titled Deadly Harvest, which, if you've watched the movie with the plot, makes more sense, the title. That's the first thing about this movie that makes any sense. And <laughs> I, I, so I can see why they nixed that because the movie itself doesn't make any sense. Why would you give it a title that made sense? <laughs> so for this one, two awards popped up when I was doing some Googling for the trivia. We have the 1993, so the following year, nominee for best film at International Fantasy Film Awards. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Yeah, what ha happened there? Um, are the International Fantasy Film Awards still even a thing? Like, what is that? <laughs> I know, is I've it, never heard of it. Is it three geeks who go to Comic-Con who decide these things? What's, um, it'd be interesting well, to find out if that's even still a thing. I will say the Young Artist Awards did nominate Mr. Ryan Bowman for Best Young Actor. I have to say that one I would wholeheartedly agree with. Because I definitely had a teenage crush on him in the 90s. And it was part of my, you know, affinity for watching this movie numerous times. But even now, as a year old woman who's seen a lot of bad shit watching this movie, I was still sincerely struck by his acting ability and thinking he's a little too good for the material and the movie itself. Yeah, he, he was a good young actor. And wherever he is, I'm sure he still is a, a, a good actor. Better than the rest of the movie, that's for sure. Hell yes. He's still working. And he has definitely grown into his features. <laughs> if I should say so. <laughs> has he? <laughs> I, yes. I, I sure hope so. Because because um, Homeboy had a five head back in the day. Not going to lie. A <laughs> little bit. Some fun stuff I came across was taglines for this movie when it first came out. <laughs> Any oh, stab boy. at what one of the taglines <laughs> might have been? Um, something about the kids going ape shit. No, the first one is kind of boring. They called it the ultimate adult nightmare. Is it? Is, is it, it really? <laughs> is that the ultimate adult nightmare? Mine is Chucky coming out of his box when I'm sleeping. That's mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> mine is suddenly discovering I haven't been paying taxes for 10 years. That's the <laughs> ultimate adult nightmare in my book. Here's the one that made me laugh. Here's the good one. It came out after Home Alone. So they cleverly came up with, these children are Home Alone too, but their parents won't be coming back. Spoiler alert. <laughs> that, yeah, is, that is that is fucking stupid. I'm sorry. That's so stupid. But who comes to the franchise at part two? You would have watched the first one, I would think, right. before you bothered with this. So let's talk uh, writer-director. We've got written by Al Katz and Gilbert Adler, which we can connect to the Turkey Verse through Bordello of Blood and the Tales from the Crypt series. 
certain things are falling into place and making a little more sense. Aha. Uh-huh, okay. So I had a question during this movie. Is this comedy intentional? And you just answered it. I believe it is. <laughs> okay, then I feel better laughing so hard at this movie knowing that they wanted me to. And directed by David Price, who had only done a movie prior called Son of Darkness Part 2 with Rosalind Allen, who is also in this movie. So he brought her over. How did you feel well, about the- okay. <laughs> Son of Darkness Part 2? I mean, I... Um, How did you feel about the directing? Uh, uh, oh, well... <laughs> Let's see. Um, Nope, I'm trying. Can't find anything nice to say. I really can't. I really only have a lot of complaints about how this movie looks and the script, uh, which really is all the director's fault. So (laughs) (laughs) I would have to, to, you know, put a little corn based curse on the director of this movie, I think. (laughs) So before we jump into the rest, I would like for you to reminisce. Give me your fond connection to this movie. First time you saw it, thoughts, memories, etc. Well, I think I probably watched it like late at night during October. It's showing on sci-fi because it just came out. This is probably, you know, the scene. Um, I probably watched it because of Ryan Bullman because I loved him and anything he was in, I was down for. And the cutting edge special effects, I'm sure, blew my mind in 1992. <laughs> you know, like it's Lawnmower Man, but scarier. I love it. Look at these, the, the practical effects and the CGI together. I'm sure my little, you know, teenage mind was blown by it. Okay. But now, not so much. I, I also remember watching it and thinking, is there something wrong with me that I think the bad guy's hot and the hero is a dork? <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> Like, I'm into the whole black hair, black clothes, black eyes, you know, demonic gig. And and the the blonde hero guy, he's not cutting it for me. So, yeah, Carrie from Days of Our Lives, she can have him because I'm here for Micah. Okay. Well, let's talk about cast. Top build cast. We have Terrence Knox, Paul Shearer, Ryan Bullman, Christy Clark, Rosalind Allen, and Ned Romero. We can get to anybody else as we go. In my notes, I had to refer to Terrence Knox, who's the male lead of the film, the reporter guy, as bloated Joseph Bologna. <laughs> that's that's pretty spot on. He does look like him now that I think about it. <laughs> but like he had his lunch and two other people's lunches every day, like bloated. He has a bit of a Mitchell vibe, doesn't he? <laughs> Little bit. My, my, my Mitchell. Yeah, I, I can see that. And then you mentioned Christy Clark from Days of Our Lives is young Lacey. And I thought it was funny because I was doing the trivia search. This is her, a film where she is in a part two. But prior to this, she was in Nightmare on Elm Street part two as the lead's little sister. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, Okay. What is it with her and being in vaguely gay horror sequels? It it was a thing. Why didn't she keep it going? She really could have found her niche, you know? I know. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I thought she was uh, besides um, Ryan Bowman. She was the only other one that seemed like she knew what she was doing on set (laughs) and had a grip on the material. The only one of these actors who appears to know how to be an actor. Yeah. (laughs) Although I will say uh, Ned Romero, who plays uh, the Native American Red Bear character, he is also giving it 
to me a hundred percent that man in my opinion is a goddamn delight he <laughs> he's my favorite part of this movie now for sure because my you know my, my crush with ryan bullman is is definitely long dead and gone no he's my favorite thing about the movie he's great so I enjoyed, and we'll get to them as we go, but we'll talk about this one now, the Wizard of Oz nods that are clearly intentional from the fucking writers. That's what I mean about the movie being vaguely gay. Just a little bit. This little movie bit. is is definitely inspired by some friends of Dorothy in, in a couple of ways, and I, I'm here for it. I love it. I think it's hilarious. So the actress Marty Terry plays both Mrs. Burke and Mrs. West or Miss West. So obviously nods to Billy. Is it Billy Burke? She played uh, Glinda the Good Witch in The Wizard of Oz. Yes, that's right. Thank you. So that's the one nod. And then Mrs. West, obviously Wicked Witch of the West. So that's fun. All right. IMDb plot. A journalist and his son travel to Nebraska to investigate the mysterious town of Gatlin, where, unbeknownst to them, a murderous cult of children are still waiting in the cornfields unbeknownst to everyone, even though they're all walking around at the beginning of the movie talking about how the children killed everyone. <laughs> how is this? How is this a mystery? They seem to know from the jump. Where's the confusion? Where's the mystery? I don't get it. What are you investigating? 100%. I was like, what? Who wrote that? <laughs> yeah. Clearly anybody can, can write them as we've established in the past. All right, let's jump in. This is this movie is so bonkers. The movie begins with superimposed images of blurred out orange colored corn. <laughs> and this weird like soft and kind of sweet music and the whole thing's giving like lifetime movie about a girl being raised by a newly single father and she's dealing with her impending puberty. I'm really confused by the opening credits. It, they really throw you <laughs> off. You wonder if you walked into the wrong theater or something. Oh, I didn't think about that. Could you imagine? Yeah, at the theater, yeah, you're like, what, I, what movie am I in? Well, there's corn. So I guess <laughs> we're in the right place. So studio credits roll and we get title card accompanied by a music sting. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is a horror movie. Don't forget. Oh, yeah. So for anybody who hadn't seen the first one, I don't know why you'd start with two, like I said, but in the first one, the, did you watch the first one before watching this one recently, by the way? No, but I've seen the first one a couple times. So the children rise up and kill a lot of the adults in the town. They don't kill everybody. They, it's, it's a big deal. People hear about it. People got, got away from the town and told everybody. So yeah, no mystery. What happened at the end of the first one? <laughs> So credits are rolling as we see moving shots of the, the corn. The soundtrack, again, is this melodic, like children singing a rhyming song about killing <laughs> and waiting. I, I don't know. I Yeah, it's, it's all very confusing and nothing's even happened yet. So it's going to be and a bumpy ride. Did you notice the tune that they're singing to the melody? What song that is? No. What is it? Ring Around the Rosie. Ah, oh, okay. Yes, yes. Why? Nothing I nothing don't... creepier than that. <laughs> what? Nothing has happened yet. Movie has not started, but the credits end and now we get movie. We see some men enter an underground storm cellar of, of some kind and they find lots of dead bodies, which look pretty good, pretty gruesome. They do. But my real question is, were these people really corned to death? Because it looks <laughs> like they were corned to death. You got one with a, a corn cob sticking out of his chest and one with a corn cob in her ear. And it, like, So they, they got literal and they used the 
corn to kill the adults i thought it was like death. inspired by the corn i didn't think corn was the murder weapon but okay death by corn <laughs> yeah death by corn okay obviously <laughs> Oh, and what, what made me laugh is all the, the piles of bones and then because like how much time has passed. It's like immediate pretty much. Yeah, it takes um, a long time. It takes a long time <laughs> to turn into bones, but OK. But the best part about because I watched the first one right before watching this one, just to have context, because I didn't remember it in both movies and in this one, especially dehydrated pieces of corn stalks and, and pieces of, of just all around debris everywhere at the, all the crime scenes. <laughs> There's always a whole bunch of corn debris, even if they were murdered some other way that didn't involve corn. It's very ominous. It it it's really everything. is. Yes. So we cut to, we cut to a news reporter on the scene in Gatlin, Nebraska. We see the corn remnants everywhere, dead bodies, an ambulance, police. And at first I'm like, why is there a school bus here? I have to say this reporter, he misses out on the opportunity of a lifetime. He says, this is a tragedy of macabre proportions. Shouldn't he have said corn on macabre? I'm sorry, dude, but that shit's comedy gold and you missed the opportunity. There's your tagline. A tragedy of corn on macabre proportions. <laughs> you butter be careful. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh, they really missed the boat. Right? Yeah. Shit. You better watch out for these evil little corn children. They will stalk you. <laughs> That's right. So a bystander says it's about half of the town. The kids should pay for this. And he gets a dirty side eye from a teenager, head to toe dressed in black, black shoe polish in the hair, the whole shebang. Yeah. Is he the first scene kid? That's what I want to know. Like, is he the first full on emo teenager of the 90s? Because he might be. He started a trend. Like, this is way before My Chemical Romance even made it big. So what's with the all black and the black hair, kid? Oh, you might be right. Yeah. Police tell the reporter that a bunch of children who we see now being loaded onto the bus came under the influence of teenagers and Isaac, more specifically. So it was all reported by a couple who'd been passing through. And that's what happens in the first movie. But it's super casual the way they're talking about it. <laughs> Like, this is an everyday occurrence. <laughs> right. And the reporter, what is all this shit about the corn? <laughs> it's literally the name of the movie, bro. <laughs> yeah, this dude's an idiot. I was all happy these when people he died. were murdered by corn. So that's what all this shit about the corn is. My question <laughs> is, if these kids were involved with the kids who murdered half the adults in town, why are we handing them lollipops and putting them on a school bus? Why aren't they all going to juvie to be questioned? Why isn't something happening here? Oh, no, they skip not only that part of the legal system, but they skip everything about what would happen to them going into foster care or group homes because they immediately get welcomed into the homes of people the next city over. Right. <laughs> Apparently in whatever state they're supposed to be in Nebraska or what, Iowa, I don't fucking know. Apparently there is no foster care system you just go live with your neighbor that's it <laughs> yep easy peasy no red tape nothing so the reporter starts asking the children in line to get on the bus what happened and they just say they saw the corn yes 
what is all this shit about the corn? Like, why are these kids so obsessed with the corn? Oh, my God. What did corn even do? What is she even wearing? Why is corn a big deal? <laughs> and then fucking Jedediah, Sean Bridgers, he was in the first one, I believe. He looks like he's about 24, but he's supposed to be 17. And he's like the leader of the now band, aside from Micah. He's the one that we recognize from the first one. But what I didn't understand was he looks super old. He knows what's been going on. Micah isn't at this point possessed. So why isn't he in charge? <laughs> Jedediah. He seems like the more, I don't know, like he'd be in charge. I think he kind of is until for whatever reason, the corn lords or corn demon or whatever it is decides to possess young, uh, open to influence all black head to toe Micah. And until that happens, he seems a little timid and quiet. So I think it, he is in charge for now. Okay. Then we cut to a man and I'm not going to refer to these people by their names until we get to hear their names in the movie because we don't hear people's names. One character ever. We never say, hear their name. Some, some people it's never. <laughs> you just but, you just have to come up with your own little lovable nickname for them. Yes. Thank you. This was bloated Joseph Bologna because they don't say his name for a long right. time. So we cut to him and his teenage son driving in a car through Nebraska. The dad's trying to look at a paper map while driving. Keeps telling his son, turn the radio down. And all I did was picture that meme that goes around on the internet that says, I don't know why I have to turn the radio down. To right. To be able to see better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I do it, too. I do it, too. And I'm like, where is that goddamn street? I have to turn the radio down for sure. It, it, it's an old people thing. It is because he's yelling at his kid to turn the radio down. Well, so is so is looking at a paper map. I mean, shit, shit, or trying to drive. <laughs> yeah, that was who remembers having to print out the map quest directions and it took 20 minutes to get online to even get on MapQuest in the first place. And then you're driving around like an asshole holding a giant piece of paper up in front of your face while trying to drive. Come on. That's why our dad had the Thomas guide. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My favorite part of this, though, is we get introduced to, I, I just call him Ken, uh, our, our little young fair-haired hero, question mark. I the, the, you know, bloated Joseph Bologna's son. I just call him Ken. Uh, but my favorite thing is how we're introduced to him when he just looks at his dad and he goes, nice fucking driving. Like, whoa, the sass. Apparently, these well, two have a complicated relationship. Yes, we find out immediately through the exposition dump in the car what their arrangement is. They're estranged and he lives with the mother. And who knows why he had to come out with his father on this assignment because his father is working. We don't know that. But he's got resentment for his father and cusses at him, refuses to call him dad, but doesn't call him by his name because we don't know his name either. <laughs> right. So we learn that the dad is starting a new job where, wherever they're going. Back now in Gatlin, a doctor who appears to be about 98 <laughs> is giving the children a quick look over in their mouth and giving them a lollipop and sending them on their way. I thought that was super bizarre that they added the little lollipop twist because it comes back later too. <laughs> well, that's why they added it in, you know, it's some foreshadowing, if you will. Uh, very sloppily done. Though. Why on earth, if you suspect these kids were involved in murder of half the town, are you concerned with their dental hygiene first? Why is that an issue? And then second, when you assess that their teeth are okay, you're handing them a lollipop. What kind of doctor are you, sir? He's not a dentist. He's clearly not a dentist. <laughs> but also, what kind of checkup is that? He's all, yeah. say, ah, that's it. No well, mental I don't... evaluation, no nothing. Yeah, I, maybe he's just checking to make sure that they don't have little demons in their mouths. 
or that they don't have corn stuck in their teeth. He's I the mean, little man that lives in my mouth. Yeah, is he looking for Tony? <laughs> I, I'm very in the weeds here. I don't understand what's happening. And we're only like three minutes into the movie. So this is great. So back in the car, father and son are going back and forth, back and forth. Dad tells his kid, you've got an attitude problem. <laughs> you tell him. He kind of does. Ken's a bit of a shit. Boys, <laughs> I mean, can't you just be glad that your deadbeat dad decided to take you along on a little road trip where Barbies hang out in waterfalls half naked? Like, come on, kid, live a little. Enjoy your summer vacation. Shut the fuck up. Quit complaining. So next we see Mrs. Burke. And I thought it was funny that she's wearing pink. <laughs> right comes riding through the crowd in her wheelchair up to the butt oh and i'm sorry on her bicycle this is the sister on the bicycle and her bicycle's complete with a little basket on the back i was like oh where's toto <laughs> right <laughs> she makes a scene and then a younger woman steps up and tries to calm her down she says she's going to take mrs burke to her house and let's get out of here and i was like what is happening who is this lady <laughs> Where, what are they doing? You don't know. We they, This is very muddy with the introductions of all these characters. Yeah, nothing makes any, like I said, it's a couple minutes in, nothing here makes any sense at all, but I, we're just going with it. We're on this crazy ride of a movie. And then we get peppered throughout this couple minutes of opening, creepy shots of the kid in black glaring at everybody. <laughs> he has the best resting bitch face. Oh my God, I have made this exact face so many times that people, when they turn away from me after they piss me off, he has a really good RBF. I'm very, very here for it. I enjoy it. So now about a mile out of Gatlin... The man and his son almost get sideswiped by that news van wildly driving crazy down this road, leaving town. It's a it's a, just this dirt road in the middle of nowhere. And what I thought was funny was all these people driving in and out of town have to navigate the cornfield. <laughs> well, apparently the only way to get in or out of this town is to drive through miles and miles of cornfield. Why would you want to live there is my question. I, I okay. So the guy driving is is the cameraman, I guess. We're not told who he is. So they stop and they start going back and forth with the dad and his kid in the car because they almost had an accident. And the reporter's giving the man shit. So this is how we, the audience, get to learn that the dad and his son are going there for a story. He's a journalist, like for an inquirer or a tabloid of some kind. And I thought, that's weird. They used to send those kinds of reporters on location for stories. I thought they just made shit up. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, um, yeah, no, they they did not have the budget to send this man out here. He probably came out on his own hoping to sell the story, is is my guess. The guy seems desperate. Doesn't he seem desperate to you? Extremely. Just for a, in for general. a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yes, desperate for a sandwich and another whiskey. I don't know. So the reporter tells the man about the kids in Gatlin killing all the adults, and then they drive off. They didn't kill all the adults, by the way, reporter. You got that wrong. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I thought it was only half of them, but whatever. So the news van in the cornfield takes a shortcut, <laughs> but we don't get to see what happens just yet. We cut back to the man and his son driving into Gatlin. This is where the son says exactly what I was thinking. Why did we have to come here? Why can't you just make it up? Like, that's your job is making shit up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. So yeah, the first the first of many examples in this movie of of the kids or teenagers dropping truth bombs and having the rest of the, the audience is going, yeah, 
exactly. That's my fucking point. That's my question. Hello. <laughs> Which I think is intentional. It's meant to make you wonder what, and maybe the whole not explaining who people are, what their names are, what is their job? Why are they here? What ha happened? Maybe it's on purpose to give you the idea that the adults are really confusing and they have no fucking idea what's going on. And only the teenagers are the ones who are asking the, the real questions around here and pointing out the obvious things, you know? Maybe it's all intentional. Maybe this movie is secretly genius and we're not aware of it. That never actually occurred to me. And <laughs> now that we've analyzed like who the writers are, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, maybe we're meant to feel a little lost and confused like a teenager, but then point out, you know what? This shit doesn't make any sense, you fucking idiot. And the adults are like, huh? What? what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. So we see that nice young woman who called Mrs. Burke down from the last scene is walking oh. up the road with the kid all dressed in black and carrying his suitcase because they're just going to willy nilly take in all these kids. She's wearing a T-shirt advertising her business, a bed and breakfast. <laughs> Did you yes. laugh when you read her shirt? <laughs> the slogan that she came up with for her bed and breakfast. Come sleep with me. <laughs> What? And and it's a it's a V-neck t-shirt. That V-neck would be a lot deeper. And you would really nail your point home with some cleavage, girl, if you took out those fucking shoulder pads. Shoulder Why pads. do you have these giant shoulder pads in a thin white t-shirt? I don't know. It's not the 80s anymore. It's the 90s. I don't remember shoulder pads still being a thing, but whatever. She gets a pass for her Demi Moore haircut. She's she's very cute. I'm into her. I like her. She is a cutie. And this is the gal that I said they brought from the other movie. The director liked her a lot. Rosalind Allen. Side note, she and bloated Joseph Bologna did not get along. And that's why their sex scene is short and weird. <laughs> oh, we'll Later. get there when we get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she seems lovely, though. So the man and his son stop her and they ask, can we stay at your place? We need a place can to stay. Can we sleep with you? We need to sleep <laughs> with you. Your shirt says we can. That's actually pretty clever. Because well, you know, you're an attractive woman promoting your bed and breakfast. We do find out later that she came from big corporate sales and marketing or whatever. So the T-shirt makes sense in hindsight. She's a genius. Good point. They all take off for the B&B &B now. Back in the cornfield, the news van stops. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the two men get panicked when they see a scary CGI cloud headed their way. <laughs> It's a CGI twister. This is what they think. It's a twister. NEM. What what? What the fuck is happening right now? What is with the the giant CGI cloud over the I I don't know. My question is why in the hell are they in the middle of the cornfield in the first place? Hammerman, whoever he is, obligatory only black character in the movie, knew what he was talking about when he said we do not need to cut through this field of corn, but oh no, the reporter had to go ahead and, <laughs> and force them into the damn cornfield. And now a giant CGI tornado is following them. So that's what he gets for not listening to Token. Exactly. So now we start to get what they're going to do quite a bit in this movie, corn deity vision, which is... <laughs> The corn is watching them, but the way that we know it, tell me if you got this vibe. Tales from the Dark Side intro, the TV show where they oh, would swap sure. it and it looks like a negative because most things are yeah. black. Yeah, it's like this overexposure thing. So apparently corn is colorblind, question mark. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Corn but like, can't yeah. see very well. We're seeing from the perspective of the corn. Or is it corn demon, a corn deity? Is it the corn itself? I have so many questions. There are so few answers. Is Very it kids? Few. Is it kids who like corn? I, I don't get it. And and why is the corn suddenly electric? 
I know. Did, the, did the cartoon tornado give the corn the electricity or was the corn already electric? A lot of That's questions. Good question, which we do is not Elmer, answer to. Is Elmore Fudd involved at some point? Are there Looney Tunes anywhere in this cornfield? I don't really understand it. That would have made this movie better had we seen the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> yeah, just it's it's really getting away from them. And this is the first big horror scene and it's already getting away from them. So I feel like <laughs> we're on a giant water slide surrounded by corn and it's all just downhill from here. I don't understand where this is going. So the driver, cameraman guy, says it looks like a twister and it's really strong winds. The reporter says, we need to get out of the van. My question is... Is that a good idea? There's nowhere to hide. Do you get out of your van when there's a twister? I don't know the protocol there. I'm pretty sure the logic would be if you're caught in a tornado, you want to grab onto something that is as heavy and sturdy as possible so you don't get lifted off the ground. So if you get out of the van, you're basically just asking for it. You're going to become that flying cow. Like, what are you doing? Don't get out of the damn van. That's actually completely the wrong thing to do but oh no this this jackhole isn't going to listen to any logic at all so the cameraman crawls through the cornfield gets repeatedly shocked by the blue electricity that comes from the corn yep it's children of the corn too electric boogaloo it is it, it is. really is so a piece of corn stalk slashes his throat i call bullshit on that you would get a paper cut at best from a corn husk what is and, yes! and it's been blown around the, it's old it's soft it's been blown around the wind for a while uh, yeah i definitely call bullshit that's not gonna slash your carotid no way and then also i thought well they're taking a bold step in this movie because this isn't just children killing people now this is the corn actually taking matters into its own husk right that's what i'm saying yes exactly i i don't understand who the villain is is it corn? Is it the evil juju inside the corn? Is it toxic poo-poo? I don't know. <laughs> is it children who like corn? I'm I'm very, very mixed up about who the bad guy is here. But I do know that there's no fucking way corn could do that to your neck. There's going to be some jackass now that goes out and tries to see if you can get cuts on your arm. Like, is it like a paper cut? Yeah. Probably. I am, I am in no way endorsing that you try to give yourself as severe a cut <laughs> as possible with a corn husk. Please don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. So the reporter sees that and hops back in the van. <laughs> oh, it was your idea to get out. He sits in the driver's seat. And then we see in slow motion, this long stalk. It looks like a bamboo rod, honestly, comes through the windshield and gives him an impromptu tracheotomy, like just right through his neck. In slow motion would be the key words there. Everything that is meant to be frightening or compelling or building anticipation or the cause of some sort of sense of there's action happening. Everything in this movie happens in slow motion. Everything is as slow as possible. I blame that one on the director. It had to have been his decision. We're going to slow that down a bit. That'll really build the, the, the scare. No. Especially you... because he sees it coming. Yeah. He goes... Has he never seen a horror movie? <laughs> he goes... No. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in this movie. And all the time he sat there saying no, he could have ducked out of the way. Yes. It is anti-tension. I don't know how else to explain it. There's a lot of it. I can't tell. Is it a creative choice that just didn't pay off? Are you trying to make some bigger point about how adults don't react quickly to things? I, I don't know. I'm probably overthinking it. It's probably just really bad directing. 
I just kept thinking about the Monty Python bit where the person's standing there and they're waiting to get run over by the steamroller or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's very that. It's giving that over and over again in this movie. There are tons of examples of it. So we cut to the B&B where that woman, the kid in black and the man and his son are all finishing dinner, which was complete with a bunch of corn on the cob on the table there. Because you probably have corn for every meal, I would imagine. Yes, it's corn. So the woman takes some dishes to the kitchen and the son helps. So the dad takes this opportunity to ask the kid in black if he saw what happened. And we hear his name in this scene is Micah. So the kid in black is Micah. And the kid is, I wasn't sure if he was possessed or not at this point watching this and And then I had to remember later, oh, he's not possessed yet. He's just timid and awkward and weird in this scene, right? I gotta say, uh, if you come across a teenager whose parents were recently murdered and he seems a little sad about it, you maybe ought to leave him alone and not decide to interview him for your tabloid article. He seems kind of out of it and sad, which would make sense if his parents just died. Don't fucking ask him about it. He seems like a an emo teenager who just lost his parents. That's, uh, yeah, he's not possessed yet. But he does mention that he knew the parents' blood was for the corn. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes. It's all for the corn? I, what? <laughs> what? He who walks behind the rose... And I can't tell you how many times I was watching the first one and I had to wait until they show it on the wall. They wrote it out. He who walks behind the rose. I thought rose like R-O-S-E, like pretty flower from Beauty and the Beast. I'm like, oh, you you sweet summer child. (laughs) I know. And then I was like, oh, rose of corn. Got it. Apparently there is an invisible corn deity who walks behind the rose, which explains why we never see him, I guess. And he (laughs) wants blood. He demands the blood of the adults, I think. Are are we getting warmer? Are we getting closer to anything being answered? Okay. Getting closer. Okay, I feel better. So the woman comes back from the kitchen with pie for dessert. Bloated Joseph Bologna is very excited about that. (laughs) She asks the man who he writes for. His son chimes right in and says, the world inquirer, and continues to give his dad shit about who he writes for and all that. Because he used to be a reputable journalist, apparently. At this point, you're kind of starting to feel like Lil Ken, our fair-haired hero, like he's a bit of an asshole and he's given his dad a really hard time. But bloated Joseph Bologna, as you so lovingly call him, he is going to turn all that around in a minute. And then we will be like, go on, Ken, give him all you got. Keep insulting the man. They, they go outside for a chat. The dad's like, come with me. And they go outside. Dad says he was 17 when he got the kid's mom pregnant. And I'm yep. guessing that puts him at about 35-ish now. He looks way older than that to me in this. They argue. And the dad says, who you are is up to you. The choice is yours. And the son goes, well, if the choice is mine, peace out. <laughs> Can you blame him? His dad just told him that he never wanted kids and he was a mistake. Now it all makes sense. And I don't mind this kid insulting the hell out of his dad for the rest of the entire movie. I don't feel bad for him at all anymore. That is the worst fucking thing I've seen a parent do in this movie so far. Now I'm rooting for the corn. Go ahead. Kill all the parents. He just gave every parent a bad name. So I do like that the kid's bag was already packed and on the porch (laughs) because he just picks up his bag and leaves. He was ready. So bed and breakfast chick goes out and says, don't worry, he'll be back. 
And we see that Micah is eavesdropping on all of this. So the kid stops at a sign. It looks like a bus stop sign out in the middle of nowhere. And he's waiting. And we see more corn deity vision. Corn's watching him. Yes, I call it corn lens. I love it. So a girl on a little motorized bike scooter situation comes riding up. I lovingly refer to her as Crotch Rocket Barbie. Yes, this is Christy Clark. And the only thing that stood out to me about her was two things. Number one, her really long hair. I wanted to take some scissors to that. That was far too long for somebody who lives in the middle of Nebraska. And then the second thing was her shoes. I was like, oh, look at those little high top Reeboks. How cute is she with her little socks all pushed down? (laughs) Right. But that is such the wrong footwear if you're on a motorized bike. (laughs) Honey, that tread's going to wear out after two stops. Like, what is she? She clearly has not spent much time on her crotch rocket. Besides, (laughs) wouldn't she look like 10 times hotter in some biker boots? I mean, come on. Missed opportunity for fashion. (laughs) She asked the kid what he's doing and if he's with the reporters in town. He says, I'm just waiting for the next bus. And she says, well, you might want to get some magazines because the next bus isn't until Tuesday. (laughs) He's kind of a bitch. I kind (laughs) of love it. He gets a little pouty face when she rides off and then he picks up his bag. And I it's that thing from like the burbs where they like kick their feet and they're like, oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just went there, didn't you? <laughs> oh, shucks. shucks. There's there's another tagline for this movie. My dad died. Oh, shucks. Oh, why hasn't Hollywood hired us? Oh, my God. So back at the B&B, the dad is saying uh, some little words. He's talking into his little handheld recorder, talking to himself in his room. This is so funny to me. I wrote down, he says, adults dead and the children of those adults, corn, blood for the corn. (laughs) Those are his exact notes for his story. (laughs) He's, He's not exactly putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I think he's he's missing a few pieces, you know? He's he's not the brightest crayon in the box. So he goes over to his window and he sees flashlights in the cornfield and he hears voices. Then we cut to the corn. The kid in black is yelling. The corn deity starts coming for him. He's yelling for the other kids. Mordecai, Jedediah, the corn deity fixes on Micah. He yells, no, and he tries to run away. It takes like a minute 30 For him to stop yelling no and stop trying to briskly walk, I would say, not run, (laughs) away. Another real slow moment that shouldn't have been slow. (laughs) I don't understand. But uh, yeah, apparently he's getting tased by the corn. And so the the corn deity is going to tase him and possess him? Question mark. Is that what's happening? Can you confirm? See, I I guess because all I wrote in my notes was what in the fresh hell is this? Yeah, it's he getting possessed. Is he? He goes down this weird CG rabbit hole. Yeah, I don't don't, know. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, they they, they cartoon his face and and some things (laughs) are happening and he's screaming a lot. And I I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. His head his head looked like it got bigger for a minute and then it went back to normal, slightly too big for his body size. Yeah. Yeah. So not sure what's that, what's happening here i guess that's where a good chunk of the budget went was the cutting edge cgi technology for 1992 oh, <laughs> clearly and that was a mistake because everything in the movie that is practical is cool everything yeah. that is cutting edge cgi in 1992 ruins it they should have just kept it all practical in my opinion 
So the child from the bus from earlier, uh, or the children are sitting around a fire in in the middle of the cornfield and they hear Micah screaming. My immediate thought was they've just got this lit fire in the middle of very flammable stuff all around them. Very flammable, very dry (laughs) corn. And you're going to have a bonfire in the middle of it. Okay. Wildly unsafe. (laughs) These kids aren't known for their sound judgment. These kids are not (laughs) known for their sound judgment. So... And they're smarter than the adults, so that's a concern. (laughs) Right, yeah. So Mordecai and some other teenagers debate what to do. The one kid says Isaac had told them that when there were no more adults, they would see the truth. So where is it? That's from the first one. My question is, why do they think they've killed all the adults? They know there are other adults. That doesn't make a lick of sense. Isaac said we'd see the truth when all the adults are gone. Maybe they only had to kill certain adults maybe it was only adults that live on the other side of the county line i where where is the rule into which adults and which you know which ones need to be killed and which ones don't i i'm not sure it's a gray area it is mordecai says he who walks behind the rose (laughs) r-o-w-s will send a leader from the corn i guess to replace isaac we are looking for corn jesus corn jesus a leader who will come from the corn and tell them what to do. Where is corn Jesus? The guy who heard Micah scream a second ago and said, what was that? (laughs) He tells Mordecai, nothing out there but corn. Nobody's coming from the corn. You're full of shit. But yet he heard a scream and said, what was that? (laughs) Yeah. So he hears a scream from the corn, but says there's nothing out there. Yep. The kids aren't then, really, their scorecard isn't any higher than the adults. So who are they to go around calling the adults trash who need to go? Because they're not doing so well either. That's what I was thinking when you pointed that out earlier about the kids being smarter than the adults. I was like, well, give me a minute. <laughs> but are they? <laughs> are they really? Micah suddenly shows up, preaches to the other kids, says that he who walks behind the rose demands that they rid the land of all who defileth the corn (laughs) yes he is spitting mad shakespearean biblical corn-based bars up in this bitch he has brought the party to the bonfire (laughs) and i like that for just extra oomph some of the words end in a th yes (laughs) it defileth yes yes he he spitteth mad bars in the cornfield there is a power greater than all and it is within us but know it not We have eyes, but see it not, and ears, but hear it not. I saw the light that came from the corn. He who walks behind the rose commands that we rid the land of all that defileth the corn. You do not see the truth, Jedediah, because it is not yet with us. There is work to do before he come and go home and wait for a sign. I mean, so so I'm here for for corn deity, if that's what we're going to call it. He who walks behind the rose. I mean, you know, he's dropping a sick album next year. As far as I'm concerned, this is some good shit. <laughs> the imagery from the opening credits of the film could be the album cover. There you go. Yeah. So there is work to do before he cometh, says Micah. <laughs> yeah. We cut to the piss off, pissed off. Mm-hmm. We cut to the pissed off son with his gym bag walking back through the corn at night. I guess this bus stop was really far. He sees the kids leaving the cornfield and he bumps into Micah and they have a brief exchange. They do mention that Lacey, the girl on the road, is hot. And Micah's like, 
Mm, yeah, she's hot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Super convincing. <laughs> Even corn deities are into crotch rocket Barbie. They they think she's hot. I mean, you know, nine out of ten corn deities, nine out of ten vegetable and grain based evil entities think that she's hot. Well, that's saying something. It is. It really is. So the next day, Micah and some kids are standing outside Mrs. Burke's house when the dad reporter and his son both pull up. I thought it was funny. Again, the dad now, he's wearing a pink shirt as he goes up to talk to Mrs. Burke. Her house, because she wants to move her house and leave town, is on risers, like wood beams. Her house has hydraulic lifts under it and is sitting on a giant Jenga tower of two by fours. <laughs> Yes. So my question about this when I saw it was, that does not look like a manufactured home. What the hell is happening? That's not how you move. You don't you don't <laughs> actually just remove the foundation of your house, stick it on some risers and move it. That's not how moving works. What the fuck? If she, now, if she was in like a little a little mobile home or something like that, it would make sense. But that looks like an actual really old house. So very confusing. <laughs> She comes outside uh, with a broom and she tells everyone, get away, because Micah and some kids are standing around staring at her and the reporter shows up. She tells him the kids are evil and that's why I'm leaving town. We see that her house has a muddy, clumpy looking cross painted on it. Somebody put some shit on the side of her house. What is that? Yeah, I <laughs> call that... it corn duty. It's corn duty. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was like fertilizer, mud. What is that? Well, we know that wiping whatever it is on your pants is definitely a staph infection waiting to happen. That's not the move. Why he does that, I don't know, but okay. It's so gross. You're right. He wipes it on. I was like, ugh. So he goes over to the car after, uh, you know, she goes inside and tells his son, well, that was a mistake. The son complains, there's nothing to do around here. So the dad at this point thanks the kid for not leaving. And the kid says, well, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I would have left you bag of shit, but there's no bus. <laughs> At least he's being honest. And then he says, I'm out. And he walks off. Well, yeah, the dad tells him, well, you ought to go, you know, find something to do. There's more than corn. Go make some friends. Okay, well, I, I think Micah and his minions are standing around waiting. They, they look very friendly to me. So <laughs> why not go hear him out? See what he has to say. Join the Black Parade. Let's go. Very welcoming. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They really do. Or he could go look for Barbie. She seems kind of fun. True. So after everybody leaves, Mrs. Burke comes back outside with a bucket and scrub brush. And oh, Micah and the kids are still there. So only the reporters left. They're watching her clean the house. Micah tells the kids, this is weird to me too. Uh, riddle me this, Batman. That's the sign we've been waiting for from he who walks behind the rose. Well, didn't they paint that on her house? <laughs> the, the duty cross. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he who walks behind the rose put the duty cross on the witch's house, isn't that Micah? Isn't that who he's possessed by? So didn't he do it? So why is he surprised that it's there? Oh, so many questions. So few answers. Cut to uh, Mr. Pouty Pants walking past a waterfall area. So Ken here. <laughs> he's just so sad. We see Lacey in her bikini top and shorts and her nice little... Reeboks standing in the water. Okay. I was furious at her. Yeah. First of all, bitch, you are in the middle of nowhere. 
why are you still wearing your shoes and socks in that water? You know she'd be barefoot. What is that? And then second of all, why on earth are you half naked in your bikini bathing in a waterfall where anyone passing by on the road can see you? There has to be better hidden spots than that. Third, I don't think I've ever seen as many creeks and forests and waterfalls in plains as there are in this movie. Cornfields <laughs> are generally not next to creek and waterfall-filled forests. I'm just saying. Oh, it's amazing though the shot. Oh, you yeah. have to give the lands- that with- the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but he stands there and stares at her, real creepy, until she notices him staring at her, and, <laughs> and she likes he- it. Yeah. So I'm like, this is this is pre OnlyFans. So yeah, you know she'd be on OnlyFans if that was a thing. <laughs> and I like that her her question to him is, "Haven't you ever seen a girl before?" Oh, you're just flirting now, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I've seen plenty of girls. What I haven't seen is Crotchrog and Barbie hanging out in a waterfall with her damn shoes on. <laughs> so I was caught a little off guard. Excuse me, bitch. If I stared. Cut to a church service in this teeny tiny little church where this 95 year old pastor is saying fornication is a pestilence (laughs) repeatedly and i cracked up because fornication being non-married sex sex before marriage or outside of marriage and pestilence being an epidemic so he's saying in this little town where there's only half the adults (laughs) people are just rampantly fucking just everywhere (laughs) <laughs> just a whole lot of fucking going on. I mean, He's you've obsessed. seen the bitch that runs the town bed and breakfast. She's openly inviting everyone to come sleep with her. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, there's a lot of fucking in this town. Yeah, he's going to point it out. So I like also that he adds, everybody, look closely at each other. And he's like making them all look around at the other people sitting there. It's mostly really, really old people and children. <laughs> But y'all are fornicating. Look around. <laughs> Who's fornicating with who? That's what I want to know. I'm starting to get concerned that we may have bigger issues than the corn. Exactly. I was like, what? So we cut to Mrs. Burke outside calling for her cat, Elmira. Mm-hmm. This is another Wizard of Oz nod. Did yep. Catch that? Elmira Gulch. Yep. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> So she sees that her cat has gone under the house, which is, you know, raised up a few feet, as you mentioned. She goes under. We hear children laughing and we start to see their legs surrounding the house. One picks up her cat. Another kid flips the switch on that piece of equipment that's going to lower the house back down. (laughs) Yes, her entire house was lifted by hydraulics and then put up on the two by fours for stability. But it's not a, it's it? not a car. It's a house. I, I don't know. Nothing makes any sense here. I mean, was someone trying to give her house a tune up? Why is it up on a car jack anyway? I, I don't fucking know. But I do know that we're about to get this amazing moment, which is the most improbable death so far <laughs> in this movie. The slow, slow, slow lowering of this house. The the no. anti the anti yeah tension I, I I don't know what else to call it this is it is so ridiculous how slowly this happens she's so old but she still has plenty of fucking time to get out from under that house especially because when it finally drops down low enough to kill her which how because there's two by fours or whatever how did it drop all the way to the ground and crush her first of all but when it does her legs from mid calf to foot are sticking out. 
like the Wicked Witch of the West have, or East having the house they drawn. They have to be to get the to get the Wizard of Oz reference because apparently some people are too dumb to have understood them up until now. You got <laughs> you to really but, drive it home by having her feet like, stick out. If she's that close that her feet are sticking out, she easily could have gotten out of there in what, oh, she definitely seconds? could. <laughs> yeah. Well, it took like a full 45 seconds for the house to come down. So it's, it's hysterical. Just, it's crazy. Yeah. How slowly the bad things happen in this movie. Now, did you catch the thing, the phrase that she says as the house is crushing her? <laughs> what a world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like if you didn't get the references yet. Hello. We're really going to send it home by having her say what a world as the house comes down on her. <laughs> Also, did the kids kill the cat? Because there's a sound bite. I had captioning on and it had like the cat going rare and you hear like a like a snap sound. Did the kids, whoever picked up the cat, kill the cat? I don't know. I mean, they haven't talked about cats being evil. It was only adults (laughs) as far as I especially outdoor cats. They do a lot of fucking and a lot of peeing all over everything. So maybe the cats are guilty of defiling the corn. I don't know. (laughs) The cats piss on the corn. So the corn deity is mad exactly so back at dawson's creek (laughs) we've got ken (laughs) getting to know lacy they're sitting on this little dock you know with their feet in the water and she tells him a confusing backstory (laughs) did you pay attention to this so she went to school with the kids in gatlin but she never fit in She, she always wanted to go to the big city she wanted to get out of there she never fit in she lost her parents in a car accident and then came to live with her aunt and uncle, but left when the murders happened. That is her story. I wrote it down. I'm pretty sure it was meant to be. OK, so the, the town that the murders happened in is the next town over. It's not Gatlin. OK, so Gatlin is the town from the first one where the murders happened. And these people are all in one town over. They're the people that took in the surviving children. What the hell so- town are they in? I forget the name of it, but they're it's in the next Gatlin town. adjacent. Okay. Gatlin adjacent. So, but Got it. it still doesn't make sense though. Even that because they're literally one town over. So <laughs> I like I like... said, uh, there must be something about like the county line. If you're on the other <laughs> side, of the, if, if you are Gatlin adjacent and you're not over the county line in the town of Gatlin, then you're not evil and you're okay. And oh. the corn ain't going to kill you. Maybe that's what it is. Well, they, after this sharing and heart to heart that they have here, share a kiss a couple of times and she asks him to take her with him to new york city when he runs away (laughs) yes because half an hour of bathing in some really really bacteria filled water makes you want to run away with somebody Uh, i'm questioning her judgment and she's not an adult so (laughs) you're right she's supposed to be 16 yeah pretty sure everybody everybody in 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 this town is just stupid (laughs) i don't think being an adult has anything to do with it Maybe it's breathing all the corn duty from the maybe <laughs> the maybe it's that toxic corn duty. Back in church, a man says he's not feeling well. He sees Micah in the back whittling some wood, <laughs> and then he starts to get a major nosebleed. I do like though. I read the trivia on this. The dude that's having the nosebleed is wearing glasses, and they affixed a little jet thing on there to like shoot the blood out, and they shot it at an angle to where you couldn't see it was coming out the glasses, and it looks like he's got a genuine nosebleed. It's pretty good. Yeah, as as low budget as it is, the yeah, the blood's a little too thin. It's a little too bright red, whatever. It's done practically, and even to this day, this whole scene is a little unsettling to me. It grosses me out. There's something about the sound 
of the blood like it's very visceral when it's happening and the actor that it's happening to he's like shaking and screaming as it gets worse and worse and it's kind of unsettling it's really the only moment in the entire movie that creeps me out in any way shape or form in the horror way not in the i'm judging you as a human being and you're an idiot way (laughs) well because he starts to bleed from all his face holes because micah's just stabbing the shit out of that little wooden doll How and why wooden carved voodoo dolls became part of the corn deity's MO, I don't know. That's not explained at all. I don't know why this is happening, but I kind of like the effects. It's It's a cool moment. It's creepy. Agreed. And then Doc, who likes to give out lollipops, looks up and sees Micah, who drops the doll and leaves the church. It's like a mic drop. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, a Micah drop. (laughs) There you go. So we get a quick shot of corn deity vision as the dad is driving past the corn on his way to the Gatlin Elementary School, which is abandoned, graffiti everywhere. And here is the egregious scene of corn debris. Why? How? In the school, everything. Yeah. So I got to tell you, right after I finished watching this movie, I stepped outside for a minute and we love to barbecue. The husband loves to grill corn in the husk. And sometimes when he goes to pull it off, a piece of that husk will fall off. It's been weeks since we barbecued and corn was involved. I walked outside and I shit you not, there was a piece of a charred corn husk on my chair. No one had been outside. I'm pretty sure the corn deity came for me today and I narrowly escaped. If I hadn't, you know, put on some gloves to pick that thing up, it could have sliced my carotid artery. I'm just saying. Corn can, can really be a bitch. So it, it's all over the place. It's a mess. Corn, corn is everywhere. It's a real problem. So he starts poking around this school. This is where we enter into a little bit of a non-PC portion <laughs> of the film. We get a Native American man who shows up and bloated Joseph Bologna asks him, what are you doing in here? His response is, (laughs) now, isn't that just like a white man assumes he has the right to be here and no one else does. (laughs) I fucking love it. Dr. Red Bear. Oh my God. Okay. So clearly he is my hair inspiration in life. I love that he immediately calls that out. I'm like, yes, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that at all, but they did. So I'm, I'm very happy about it. I love it. He says to the man, let's try this another way. And he says, what do you know about all of this? The Native American man at this point, we don't know his name yet. He says, I know, I know. We Now we get his name. He says, I know you're John Garrett. You're a reporter for the World Inquirer. You're 35 years old. I was right. <laughs> and you weigh 185 pounds. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know it. So at this point, I think the moral of the story is Nobody, adults or kids, knows what the hell is going on except this guy. Yep. Uh, but I, I do want to backtrack for a second because I have a burning question about what was going on inside that school. Okay. So we're seeing messages, drawings, graffiti all over the place about defilers, defiling, defilement. The adults have defiled. You graffitied your complaint about how people are defiling things. <laughs> Isn't that an oxymoron? I don't understand. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get that. You are so right. Yeah, but can we please get back to Dr. Red Bear? Because he gives me my favorite moment of the entire freaking movie. 
Okay. Well, so he runs off all those stats and then he's like, well, how do you know all that about me? And he's like, well, you shouldn't leave your wallet in your car outside because <laughs> he, he hands him his wallet. <laughs> Common sense. This guy is smarter than hell. And uh, yeah, everybody else needs to take a cue from him and start paying attention. He's the only person who has half a brain in this movie. So they go outside and John apologizes and asks the man his name. He says he's Frank Redbear and he looks, I don't know, maybe 50s. He's, he's a silver fox for sure. Mm hmm this man <laughs> and i can't remember he has his hair down or braided at this point he had like a feather in his hair even oh it's like loosely braided but yeah i can't stop staring at that mane of hair i want to know i mean does he use mane and tail what is he using because my hair is the same color but i need it to look that healthy it's it's beautiful he's my it's hair inspo. he tells john life out of balance is what has happened in gatlin he adds of course the white man only knows how to take and after a while, there's nothing left to take. He tries to drop some spiritual wisdom on old John here about what's happened and things needing to be in balance. Yeah, it doesn't quite fit. If the rest of the movie was leaning into that being the answer, then it would work. But it's kind of like you were too worried about making Wizard of Oz references and using cool CGI effects to, to have it make any sense till now. So why are you trying to make sense now? I don't know. It makes you feel like you're suddenly watching a different movie. So Frank gets in his truck to leave and John asks him, so that's what happened here in Gatlin? <laughs> and then Frank's response. My favorite thing in this whole movie. His response, no, the kids went ape shit and killed everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. I love it. Like there is no deep philosophical explanation there is no spiritual explanation the kids went ape shit and killed everybody like i said <laughs> common sense this guy is, is the real one spitting truth bombs he's the one who should be doing the mic and drops around here so john asks frank for more details and info and he says he doesn't know but he tells john you can reach me through the state university's department of anthropology and that he's actually dr red bear Thank you. Yes. John looks down and sees that he now has a hole in his pants where he wiped the corn, the corn duty. Yeah. Burks. Yeah. That stain's not coming out. Ugh. My question was, all he did was wipe it off his finger on his pants. I mean, he wasn't carrying around, you know, obsessively little things of Purell like I do. So that shit was mm -hmm. on his fingers till he got home and washed his hands. How did it not eat his skin? Exactly. Yeah. If it did that to his pants, what the hell is going on with his finger? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> so stupid. He doesn't he doesn't really give the appearance of someone who's all that concerned with hygiene. So <laughs> he always looks like he's sweaty. No, wait a minute. The sex scene hasn't happened yet. We'll get there when we get there. The meat sweats. He looks like he, <laughs> <laughs> he gets the meat sweats when he eats vegetables. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh. Digesting any food at all makes this man break out into a cold sweat. So we cut to the police and a crowd of looky-loos, including Micah and the kids, John and his son, the bread and breakfast, bread and back, <laughs> bed and breakfast lady, because we don't know her name yet. Some men have shovels and are digging at Mrs. Burke's feet to get her out. Yeah, they're going to they're going to just dig around and, and pull her body out of there and let it scrape along the house that is <laughs> resting firmly on her body as they pull it out. Why didn't they just hit the hydraulic switch and lift the damn house back up? That's what I'm saying. 
what the fuck? Nobody seems to have any clue how to do anything around here. Well, it made me wonder now, especially after talking to you, are they trying to make these adults look like complete idiots? I'm pretty sure they are. But unfortunately, they don't also make enough good choices with the film to make it look obvious. It looks like everyone around just made poor choices everywhere, (laughs) including the filmmakers. And us for watching it. (laughs) Yes, yes. And us. What does it say about us that we watched this willingly? So Mrs. Burke's sister, Miss West rolls up in her wheelchair and yells, it's Ruby. Yes, Ah. of course. (laughs) Who killed my sister? (laughs) I fucking love it. She says, the kids did it. Ruby tried to warn everyone. John tells his son he's got to go, but you should stick around here. (laughs) What? Wait a minute. He told him to go find something to do and someone to hang out with. Now he's telling him, don't go anywhere, stay here where the murder happened. <laughs> right? What the fuck, dad? No I have to agree with Ken that this doesn't make any sense. You're sending mixed messages. And how is it that Ken is still wet from his encounter at Dawson's Creek? How yeah, I would still really like to know. There's a there's a whole lot of wetness in this movie that's just <laughs> not called for. Um, I'm, some would even say that people are constantly moist. I, I don't know. I, it, it's very weird. So he tells his dad, I'm wet because I met a girl and we went swimming. John says, don't socialize with these kids. This is where Ken could have chimed in and said, well, she's not one of them. She's not from around here. But he doesn't say anything. He's just like, whatever. And the dad goes, don't do it because I said so. (laughs) Yeah. One of the absolute absolute worst things a parent can say to their child, because I said so. Oh, now I'm really hoping this guy dies. I really, really want him to die. I mean, the, the kid could have been a real dick and pointed out, uh, Dad, two hours ago, you told me to go make friends and that's what I did. So what's that about? Like, he could have pointed that out. He didn't. No. I, I hope the corn comes for bloated Joseph Bologna next. Micah goes over to the kid, to Ken, and calls him by his first name. Now we get a name. He's Danny. Ah, oh, okay. So we're like, we're like halfway through the movie and we finally know his name. I'm still calling him Ken. Sorry. <laughs> He tells him adults are hypocrites because once they turn 19, they change. He tells Danny he was beaten for sinning. And then one day he caught his father having sex with the farmhand's wife. Do you remember how he finishes that sentence? Didn't he say they were they were fornicating most vigorously or what? They were sinning most vigorously. Yes. And the way he delivers that line and he looks off, I'm like, yes, give it to me, Micah. Yeah. Unintentional comedy gold is what that is. It is amazing the way he delivers that line. Like it is not meant to be that, but it ends up being comedy gold. Sinning most vigorously. Yes. And and then Uh, it gets better, though. He's spitting mad truth here. I'm like, what movie is he in? He cannot be in Children of the Corn 2. This kid's too good. I know. Yeah. Danny asked him if he was happy with his father when his father was killed. And Micah says (laughs) he just gives this good speech about, you know, his childhood and whatever. And I'm like, what fucking movie are you in, bro? Because this is not Children of the Corn 2. But then they have to do the wah-wah. Micah says some nonsense. He says, the Bible says that for everything, there is a season. Are you happy your father was killed? Everything has a season. (laughs) What? What? It's it's like it's the 90s equivalent of vague posting 
you did not answer the question, sir. Don't not don't even. be don't be quoting that shit at me. Like, come on. You you gotta answer the question. Were you happy? It, clearly he doesn't know what to say because the answer is an emphatic yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't want to scare Ken off because he's trying to recruit him to the corn cult. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Greetings. Welcome to Film Gazers, a podcast focusing on the science fiction, horror, fantasy, trinity, and 20th century entertainment. I'm Steph. I'm Jess. We're cousins slash besties. Join us as we reminisce, discuss, and review films from our childhood. Follow on Instagram at filmgazers and listen to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts. Later, taters. This episode is brought to you by Truly Unique Jewelry. You're a one of a kind, so it's unique, spelled Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. With all of the jewelry options mass-produced for each season, you're left wanting more when it comes to pieces that showcase your individual style. Head over to trulyuniquejewelry.com and scroll through handmade one-of-a-kind options for every budget, with pieces starting under a dollar. Beautiful costume jewelry to fit every age and every budget. Custom orders are also available for no additional charge, and they flat rate ship so you can fill your jewelry box with matching pieces for every outfit in your closet for one shipping fee. From earrings to bracelets to necklaces, even rosaries and combination sets. Cost is no longer a barrier to having the looks that you want that scream uniquely you. Go to the Facebook page for Truly Unique Jewelry for updates and discount information when you follow the page. Feel good about supporting a small business while you're updating and expanding your jewelry collection, adding pieces for every occasion. Visit trulyuniquejewelry.com. And remember, it's unique spelled Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. And now, back to the show. So we go now to a house slash doctor's office that looks like a set from Little House on the Prairie. It really does. (laughs) Where the old doctor has his office and then there's the room where he keeps the dead bodies (laughs) right there out in the open. Because it's also the town morgue, maybe? It's like he's having dinner in the next room and there's like a dead body. Yeah. John is in there grilling the doctor, making him very uncomfortable, asking about the nosebleed guy and Mrs. Burke. And he starts poking around the dead bodies. (laughs) How is that okay? My favorite thing about it, though, is the doctor doesn't have a problem with the fact that this guy is touching bodies of people that he is clearly needing to, like, perform an autopsy on, figure out that the old lady, the house was dropped on her. She may have been murdered. Clearly, that's what he's supposed to be doing. He doesn't care that the reporter guy is in the same room with the bodies asking questions and touching the bodies, which are evidence. What he cares about is the fact that he is insinuating that the corn may be bad, that it may have something to do with it. Soon as he starts talking about the corn, this guy gets so fucking defensive, which again, I'm like, wait, what? I thought I thought the corn was the source of all the evil with the children. So why is this guy suddenly defending the corn? And he's like, nope, corn is good. The corn is great. We love the corn. Long live the corn. <laughs> Corton is our pal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he gets oddly, oddly emotional and defensive about the corn, which doesn't really add up. And and adds, well, yeah, that's the case. And Mrs. Burke was crazy. You shouldn't listen. have listened to her. And so John helps himself to a lollipop. Those are for patients, sir. <laughs> He's got to keep his blood sugar up. It's been like 45 <laughs> minutes since he ate. So he asked the doc if he thinks the kids had anything to do with it. And like you said, 
visibly upset and defensive about the whole thing. The doc, after he leaves, calls the sheriff and the sheriff asks if John knows what's going on. The doc says no, but if he sticks around, he'll figure it out. (laughs) And then he adds that they've sinned and they're going to hell. (laughs) What? All will be revealed, I hope. I, 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 I don't know. This is a question that will maybe be answered. I don't know. Cut to Frank and John, Dr. Frank and John traipsing through the woods and some water where John whines that his shoes cost $135. Where? And I'm like, I don't see any red soles on those shoes, Beyonce. Calm down. Okay. So I just realized something. Yeah. So Dorothy, what is she given in The Wizard of Oz to wear on her journey? The ruby slippers, right? And she's told... Don't ever, ever take them off. Now I understand why people in Gatlin don't know how to take off their shoes. It all (laughs) makes sense. Nobody who walks through water knows how to take off their shoes. It's another Wizard of Oz reference. I see what they did there. Wow, you are being so generous right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm being very, very nice to this movie. Well, I was I was warned quite vigorously by that corn husk <laughs> earlier, so I got to tread lightly here. So they stop at a rock that has all manner of very vibrant, colorful drawings on it. Frank says this place has power that can magnify both good and bad. Then he goes on to explain the drawings to John and tells a local legend. The gist of everything is that the children are the most vulnerable to the energy in this area. A bunch of farmers in the past got lazy and the kids killed them all. And at some point, the spirit will open the corn and let through the one who finds truth within himself. And it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Isaac? (laughs) So... Didn't that happen? (laughs) I'm confused. Yeah. Uh, Did the first movie not happen? Now you're confused? Yeah. Well, I've been confused the entire time. So you're telling me that the reason all of this is happening is the children are susceptible to the influence from the bad juju in the cornland, and the cornland is mad because the adults got lazy and stopped tending it correctly? That really doesn't, that, uh, that poses more questions than it answers. I'm even more confused now. Yep. What does any of this have to do with Micah? Good job, Or the movie. first movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> So John asks Frank if he's a prof- if he's a professor, how can he take all this bullshit seriously? So he just basically shits on hundreds of years of these people's beliefs. Thank you. Yes, but I love Dr. Redbear's response so much that I wrote it down so I get the quote correctly. It's brilliant. He says, "Sometimes what you've learned conflicts with what you know." Yes. Very good. yes. I fucking love that. Thank you very much, because I was starting to get worried about the level of ridiculous, let's just throw every Native American stereotype and trope at the wall and see what sticks that was happening here. At least they gave him this little teeny tiny moment of redemption to be like, hold on a minute, don't be so condescending. I can be a medical doctor and still believe in God. Thank you. Like, you know, I can be a college professor and still believe these things too. Like, don't don't get it twisted. You can you can understand dinosaurs were real and still believe in religion (laughs) there's room for both i think it's that's a nice smackdown of like what a simpleton john is (laughs) exactly what what a dumb thing to say and it's insulting yeah it's just like the movie got got insulting but then it smacked itself for doing it so i don't know (laughs) and then as they're going to walk away we get a shot of corn deity vision (laughs) watching them 
Mm-hmm. But yet they're nowhere near corn. Blame That's what I'm that. saying. How are they in the middle of this beautiful forest with the creek and the, and the rock? But, but then you're also in the middle of plains and nothing but cornfields? I don't get it. It's like they're in they're in two or three different areas of the country at once. It's confusing. <laughs> the whole thing. Is, I, but maybe it's intentional. I don't know. So now back at Trapper John MD's. <laughs> this fucking doctor. I can't take him. Minding his business. Doing paperwork. Listening to Bible Belt Radio. Which is a big thing in this movie. And then the power suddenly goes out. And we hear children laughing. The doc opens the blinds. He sees children surrounding his house. Jedediah leading the group of kids, once again instigating a murder here, hits the doc with a black baseball bat that bounces. (laughs) Okay. A bunch of kids grab syringes because he's just got a tray of syringes. He keeps every drug known to man loaded up in a syringe at the handy. I don't think he gets a lot of business in this town. So what is that about? Huh? They stab the shit out of him with these syringes, just load him up. What a way to go. It's kind of fucking cool. But then what I don't get is why the knife? Suddenly there's a a damn butcher knife involved. And it's like, why'd you have to do that? Weren't the whatever's in these syringes? Wasn't that enough? I know. You're adding insult to injury. Yeah, overkill. (laughs) Exactly. No, overkill to me is the lollipop and the dolly. That's a bit (laughs) much. This little bitch... This little Stephanie, whatever the fuck her name is, I don't know. This little bitch not only sticks a lollipop in the man's mouth, but then she uses her little teeny tiny doll hand to close his eyes? What is that about? (laughs) It reminded me of that game we have where you could play charades with the little doll hands. The little teeny tiny hands, yeah. Like, what what is this man? Yeah, Yeah. so, okay, Micah's possessed, Jedediah's just violent, and this little bitch is sassy. These kids, man, they're on one tonight. So over at the B&B, John and the owner of the B&B lady are sitting outside chatting. He asks her why she lives there. She says, <laughs> this is what you said earlier. She was an executive pulling in a hundred grand a year and had a penthouse condo. But when her Aunt B died, <laughs> she came and took over the B&B. Really? They had to call her Aunt B? <laughs> a little on the nose don't you think well at least now we know the name of the town they're in hello they're in mayberry clearly (laughs) that is the name of the town next to gatlin mystery solved we finally answered one fucking question i died when she just no just straight face well when aunt b died yeah because you you went to college you probably went (laughs) to an ivy league school got an mba you were pulling in a hundred thousand a year which is pretty damn good for 1992 in your penthouse condo and you gave it all up because your aunt b died and left you her rickety old b&b yeah okay so now i think she's just as stupid as he is and i hope they both die oh no they decide to have sex first. So they we fade no. into sweaty sex with weird angles the way this is shot. This isn't <laughs> sex. I don't even know what this is. Did they just get out of a swimming pool? Why in the fuck are they so wet? If you were that wet, why would you be rolling around under the sheets? Put a towel down. Good God. This woman runs a hotel. She clearly... She she probably doesn't wash the sheets at all. That's disgusting. I wouldn't want to stay there. <laughs> My God. And then after reading the trivia and knowing that these two did not like each other, it's even funnier to me. 
that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're rolling around like a couple of pigs in a blanket over the fire. Like it's it's <laughs> disgusting how sweaty they look. It's this is the least sexy sex scene. Oh, it's gross. And then Danny outside is creeping in the hall <laughs> and he hears them. <laughs> and they're sinning most vigorously. Yep. Oh god. The fact oh. that that he, that he doesn't just vomit a little bit in his mouth. Mm. Yep. At least he didn't have to see it the way we did. He was spared. So he sees flashlights now in the cornfield. So he goes outside to investigate. Micah is preaching to the kids with a whole bunch of torches lit now in this dry ass cornfield. They cut the hands of one of the guys from Gatlin and a girl from the town of Hemingford. That's where they are. (laughs) I really thought it was Mayberry, but okay. So Hemingford and Gatlin are going to come together with this blood oath. They're going to cut their hands and put them together. It's so stupid. But not before he says something really weird about how the seed must be sown by children because they're not corrupt yet. For a minute there, I was like, is he talking about making a baby? Is somebody supposed to be sowing seeds? Or I mean, is it cor- are they planting corn? Are they making a baby? What the hell is he talking about? Like, what is with this? It's just another bonkers moment where you're like, what the fuck is he even talking about? And then all of a sudden the cutting of the hands and it's like, oh, okay, now we're supposed to understand that this is the two teenagers of the town that they're all coming together. Mm -hmm. That's what you got from this? Because I was confused as hell. That's what I got. It's weird. So Danny spies on this and he gets caught. Micah tells him to show himself. He says, oh, hey, everybody, this is Danny. Uh, He found problems among them, (laughs) meaning the adults, I guess, and asks if he wants to be a soldier for he who walks behind the rose. And Danny says, yes, I was confused because Ken, as you call him, Danny, one one facial expression for everything. So was he going along with it to see what's happening, going along with it so he doesn't get murdered? Or was he genuinely going along with it? Like, cool. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think Danny knows. I don't think the actor playing Danny knows. I don't think the people who wrote the script know. It's really fucking vague. And the way that he just says yes, and then cut to broad daylight the next day, he's hanging out with Barbie again. And it's like, wait, what? I thought he was about to join the cult. What happened? Did they did they go, okay, we'll take care of it tomorrow night. See ya. Is he is he like planning on infiltrating the cult? Are we missing like an entire backstory here that's not being shown? I, I don't know. So in the daylight, yeah, Lacey and Danny uh, arrive at an abandoned barn area. She says it's her favorite place and she wanted to show him. They climb onto the roof and they admire the view of corn. Yes. <laughs> Miles because the, o corn. The girl who hates this town won't shut up about how much she hates it and begged him, who she's only known for a day, to take her with him to New York. Had to climb up on top of the building to show him her favorite view of the place she hates. Lacey gives him shit for being afraid of heights. And then they climb down. She says to Danny, you can have me if you can catch me. (laughs) She runs off into the corn. Yes. So she challenged him to a game of tag where he gets laid if he wins. Yep. (laughs) Why would he ever want to go back to New York? The corn is good. The corn is great. Long live the corn. He's going to stay in this cornfield forever because it gets him laid. Exactly. So they enter a clearing in the middle of this corn and fall to the ground and he ends up on top of her and they start to make out. As he's unbuttoning her blouse, we don't get any titties. Wah wah. 
He unbuttons her shirt and then moves his hand away and starts rubbing her butt. What is that? <laughs> what is that? that Why is would the, you unbutton her shirt? She had a no titties clause in her contract, no doubt. Which I don't blame <laughs> her for, but huh? Yeah. But he yeah. has to reach around, you know, and grab her butt on top of her jeans <laughs> instead of reaching inside her shirt. But Much okay, sexier. whatever. Much sexier to do it that way. <laughs> She says, oh, I'm laying on something. So they jump up when he finds a severed hand under her back. <laughs> she got more play from that severed hand than she did from his hands. I'm just saying. They look around and see several bodies. Lacey says, oh, it must be all those bodies from Gatlin that they never found. I thought they did find the bodies because they knew all, all the adults or half the adults were dead. What? Thanks, Investigator Lacey. <laughs> yeah. What, what were all the bodies in the basement? that they found in the beginning of the movie they were i i, I don't know i don't know <laughs> cut to frank and john at some barn where frank says this is a rotten pile of corn here it shouldn't be here it's covered in this green mold of some kind that the corn duty <laughs> i guess apparently the corn duty is toxic mold that's well, what we're supposed to understand frank here. knows he says this is like toxic mold or something he knows what it is John takes some pictures of it <laughs> with his phone or his camera, whatever, camera in 92, and says, why hang on to this corn, this rotten corn? I don't get it. Frank knows the answer. Frank says, well, to blend it with this year's harvest, obviously harvest and ship it out to everybody because there's a lot of money tied up in this corn. That's a lot of assumptions that he's making. There's tons of corn all over the place. Why would they want to hang on to toxic, moldy, year old corn? So they could ship it out with this year's harvest because they're going to make a lot of money by doing that. What I okay. What and what does any of this have to do with the shit he was waxing poetic about earlier when they were in the middle of the forest? Like what? 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 When? What does toxic mold on the corn that, that the town's trying to is that is that what the doctor was going on about with the sheriff about how they've sinned? Like what? So they figured that part out because John says obviously the doc knew about this and that's why he was freaking out when I was questioning him. Okay, so the sin all the adults in town have committed is purposely hanging on to duty corn? Yep. Okay, yeah, duty corn is bad. But what I don't understand, the logic of this moment, because they are inside this little farmhouse that is full of this shit, and he's going on and on about how it's airborne, breathable, toxic mold. Why in the hell, the minute he saw it, did they not get out of the building at least? Especially because Frank says, obviously, that's what happened to Bloody Nose Man at the church. He breathed it, but we're okay because it clearly affects everybody differently. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's fine. This is fine. I'm sorry. What kind of doctor are you again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Confusing. So he adds that if you breathe enough of it, it can clearly, clearly will cause madness, panic, hallucinations, especially in children. <laughs> Okay. So is there an evil corn deity or have we been breathing in this toxic mold and it's making us hallucinate what's happening? Is Micah really possessed or is he toxic corn crazy? What? Toxic corn crazy. Yeah, That's a great I don't get it. Song title. So the sheriff suddenly shows up and pulls a gun on them as we cut away. Wah wah. Jig is up. Cut to Miss West cruising in her motorized wheelchair down Main Street. <laughs> and some of the children led by Micah are following close behind her. Micah is using a remote control car, zipping it around the wheelchair, 
Miss West yells at them and then turns to go into the street, loses the ability to control her chair because Micah flips a switch on his little remote and says, watch this to the other kids (laughs) and takes control of her chair. She's going to do some sick tricks now. I fucking love this. I don't care. I fucking love this anyway. I don't even care how it works, how he knew what frequency to put his little RC controller on to match it to her. I don't know. I don't care. Because this bitch, this wicked witch, she was just rolling down the street, smoking Indo, sipping on gin and prune juice. And along comes Micah. And he is going to take her on the slowest yet scariest ride of her life with his little remote control. The minute that him and the kids step out behind her, you are hoping that's what's about to happen. It takes a minute to get there, as everything in this movie does. But when it does, you're like, oh, God, yes. Yes. He's controlling her fucking wheelchair with his little, what's he going to do to the bitch? So she's flailing around, screaming help because she can't control it and rolls right into the middle of the street. Very slowly. Micah's face, when we cut back to his face, his satisfied face, it's like he went to the John Black fishhook eyebrow school of acting. Because he's he's got that, that great look on his face. So the chair rolls past the bingo hall. (laughs) Slowly. Everyone's playing bingo. Nobody notices and stops smack in the middle of the street. All of a sudden she gets hit by this semi truck launched. (laughs) Her chair is launched with her in it (laughs) into the window of the bingo hall. (laughs) And the guy inside is like, bingo? I got bingo. What's amazing about this is that if you watch the scene enough times, because I back it the fuck up and do, you can clearly see the the no no face mannequin with the white Norma Bates wig on in the chair and the string, <laughs> the fit the fishing string or whatever. You on can it. see <laughs> the line. You can see the string holding it upright in the chair, and it obviously just like swings from about two feet out. And the glass yes. breaks before it even touches it. And then it just gently flies right inside the window and lands. It, it's, it's so like lobbed in gently. <laughs> it's it's the slow-mo. I'm telling you, it's like everything in this movie that's supposed to be fast-paced action happens at a snail's pace. It's so weird and funny. It, I, I back it up like two or three times every time, too, because I can't stop laughing at this moment where the dummy clearly just comes <laughs> gliding gently through the window as it breaks it, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> yes. and then the dude just not even giving two shits about what just happened uh bingo <laughs> it's amazing if for no other reason should people watch this film for that just watch it for yeah just scene. for this weird scene where she slowly screams help for a full minute and nobody notices and or she just her. rolls real gently out into the middle of the street and then this truck comes up on her it's the only fast moving thing in the entire movie is this truck Fucking but then amazing. it gently lobs her in slow-mo <laughs> through this window what <laughs> So then we see Danny on his house phone. We abruptly cut now from Bingo Guy. He's on the phone with Lacey. It gets disconnected as Micah shows up in his kitchen and startles him. He says, it's time, Danny. The soldiers of the Lord are ready to march. What? Yeah, wait, what? What? Okay, is he talking about he who walks behind the rose? Is he talking about... Uh, our Lord and Savior RuPaul. Is he talking about Jesus from that old book that some people have loved and read? Uh, is he talking about video games? Is it Marilyn Manson? What the fuck is happening? Who is he talking about? I was Where like, did this come from? 
So we cut to the cornfield now where the sheriff is tying up Frank, Dr. Red Bear, on the ground, back to back with this, uh, I don't know, stake. They've kind of tied their hands together to the stake in the ground. And they ask if the doc was in on all this too. Frank asks, how does he think he's going to get away with this to the sheriff? Shipping all the rotten corn. And the sheriff says he pays off a lot of people. You know, the people who test it, we pay them off. It's fine. And I'm like, if you're just going to ship rotten corn, wouldn't somebody at some point who you haven't paid off figure out that it's rotten just by looking at it and smelling it? It's not going to make it to the shelves, you idiots. Nobody's going to eat this. Yeah, it's very that. <laughs> it doesn't make one fucking bit of sense. But but I love the fact that he very slowly, very painfully slowly explains everything <laughs> he's been thinking, everything he's been doing. And you're sitting there going, why doesn't he just shoot them? And then the only person who ever makes any sense, Dr. Red Bear, says, why don't you just shoot us? <laughs> like, Thank you. And then he, of course, over explains that he has to make it look like an accident. Because he can't pay off the people who investigate deaths in his town. But I thought the doctor was the one who invested. I, I don't understand. <laughs> then we get a response that is the most non-PC thing I've heard in a while. And I'm just going to say it word mm -hmm. for word. So this is from the movie. This isn't me. Ugh. He says to them, there's still some people that think the only good Indian is a dead Indian. <laughs> I rolled my eyes so fucking hard. I was like, wow. Yeah. Excuse but me? Did you like John's super cutting comeback to that? <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, pencil dick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Way you. Way to go. Bloated <laughs> yes. Joseph Bologna. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a shocking moment to me, but the comeback was, was great. So the sheriff says he's got to get to the town meeting. So he puts a stock of corn on the gas pedal of a large piece of farming equipment that honestly looked fake is that a real piece of equipment i'm not sure what it is it looks it like it do? might it might be whatever like if, if you need to clear the field like you you're gonna roll through it real slowly real slowly that thing's top speed is like eight miles an hour obviously but you're gonna slowly roll through and it'll like cut down and plow everything in its path so it's oh. pretty ominous piece of equipment for sure but fast and furious it ain't <laughs> it's yeah it's definitely definitely slow and kind of demented like every other quote-unquote action or scary scene in this movie <laughs> it's not fast-paced no it's creeping toward them so the men are easily able to get their hands free pull that stake out of the ground and they roll out of the way just in the nick of time as that <laughs> machine rolls up on them eventually they had plenty of time Back at the B&B, &B, the woman who runs it is ambushed by some of the older children who grab her and tell her she must get dressed because it is time. <laughs> okay. Time for what? The, the party outside because we cut <laughs> to a shot of the moon and it's suddenly pitch black outside. John and Frank find the dead news reporter and the van covered in corn debris. <laughs> like it's been sitting out there for months. They also find the cameraman dead. John tells Frank, he says, what in the fuck is going on? This isn't any poison corn. <laughs> you need to level with me. Does my, Frank really know what's going on? My sentiments exactly. What the fuck? How did we get from evil corn deity to toxic corn? And, and he's asking exactly the question I have. 
what is really going on? This doesn't make any fucking sense. Nothing makes sense. Frank says his ancestors believed in an earth spirit who seeks revenge for the wrongs done to it. Okay, so um, now, how, how is, now how is the corn involved in that? We've looped back to what he was talking about earlier when they saw the paintings or drawings on the rocks. So now we're back to this isn't about so did the did the land itself create the toxic corn as a form of revenge? Uh, somebody needs to ask M. Night Shyamalan when he watched this movie, because I'm starting to wonder if his movie, The Happening, was inspired by this film. <laughs> this movie is so much better than The Happening. <laughs> the idea that the Earth itself is angry at humans for not properly caring for it, therefore created some sort of toxic mold, which went as spores through the air and turned people batshit crazy. I wondered where I'd seen it before when I saw that movie. And now I remember. Oh, Just saying. Wow. Oh, that's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> so John snaps too and says, that's bullshit to think that the answer is God is pissed. Is that what Frank said? <laughs> that's kind of so. not what he said. But if you want to call the earth God, be my guest. We've already established that John maybe isn't playing with a full deck. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, if he misunderstood the nuances of, of what dr red bear is talking about we we can forgive him he's a little he's a little slow just like the rest of this movie yeah frank's like well you got a better explanation (laughs) yeah be my guess honestly (laughs) yeah it makes more sense than than an evil deity in the corn that you know possessed a teenager it makes more sense than that you have to wonder if dr red bear just kind of was bummed out that he was saddled with bloated joseph bologna as the person to explain everything to because it seems like it fell on deaf ears right yeah it's uh it's not usually his target audience yeah his target audience (laughs) is a a room full of interested college (laughs) students not this oaf so we cut to the town hall meeting headed by the sheriff and the good reverend and after a bizarre prayer about fornication and sinning once again The sheriff addresses how some of the people have agreed to take in the Gatlin children and they've expressed interest in adoption. Pretty sure that escalated a little quickly and and without a lot of red tape there. I don't think you can do it that way. (laughs) And why would they suddenly be lobbying to adopt these children who are going around surrounding buildings and murdering people and having bonfires in the middle of the corn at night? Why are they so hot to adopt them? I'm, I am i don't understand. A woman chimes in and says "There's the evil has gotten a hold of the children. And so we need to look into that. And the reverend, we get a close up <laughs> of his, his disapproving face. His eyebrows, his eyebrow game is next level. <laughs> Micah ain't got nothing on him. What I don't understand is how is she the first adult in this town to point that out and ask that question? <laughs> I, and so how? late in the game. It's a bit late for that. The reverend tries to calm her down, and then they see children outside. The sheriff finds that the door is locked. Outside, we see the kids pour gasoline all over and light the building on fire, starting with the doors and windows (laughs) so that the people can't jump out the window. That's smart. It is smart. Once again, we're getting the whole kids are smarter than the adults thing here. But instead of really trying to to, to really find a way out, one guy decides to toss a chair through a window and his arm catches fire (laughs) that is the best way to invite the fire that is currently only outside the building to come inside the building not a good move so they just all decide to stand around holding each other screaming as the building goes up in flames they gave up (laughs) 
that tracks with what they've shown us, what they're capable of intellectually, that tracks. Meanwhile, out in the cornfield, Micah and some more kids have set up some crosses on some pyres. Micah spouts some more of the he who walks behind the rose nonsense. And he asks Danny if he's ready for the offering. He says yes. Is he in on it still? How and when did he end up back with them? Last time we saw him, he was with Crotch Rocket Barbie in that little clearing and they found a bunch of dead bodies. How did he end up back with them? What the actual fuck? I still feel like there's something, there's some big gap where we're missing something that was going on with him trying to infiltrate this corn cult. Oh, so much is missing from this. Well, I mean, don't get me started on what everything that's missing, but it seems like there is just like there was actual story and scenes filmed that are missing that explain that. But okay. So he says, yeah, I'm ready. And they all start chanting, we are one. We are one. (laughs) When did that become part of the goal? Right. What? And when when did they capture Barbie? Like we saw them go into the B&B and get, you know, sexy B&B lady. But when did they get her? How did that happen? Yeah. B&B Lady and Lacey are tied to these large cornstalk pyres and they plead with Danny to let them go. But Micah says their blood is the sacrifice to nourish the earth. <laughs> Lacey's not an adult. Yeah, I thought the, the cornfields wanted all of the adults to die because they defiled the corn by letting it go moldy? Question mark? I, I thought I was starting to understand, but now it's just, no, we must perform blood sacrifices to the corn. I guess. I I don't know. So Danny stands over Lacey holding a large knife and she says she loves him. Don't do this. I love you. (laughs) Okay. And then a large that large piece of equipment that we saw that was going to kill Red Bear and bloated Joseph Bologna earlier shows up, shines its lights and approaches the children. Very, very slowly. (laughs) It approaches very slowly. So they assume that the lights on this piece of equipment is the light of the corn deity. It's he who walks behind the rose. And I was like, you don't know the difference? Really? You're fucking possessed. (laughs) You're going to start wondering where the logic is now? I know, in the finale. What? So the kids see that it's this dangerous piece of farm equipment and they move out of the way. Frank is driving it. He starts to knock over stuff and fires get set. So Danny pushes Micah down, cuts Lacey loose. John leaps from this tractor thingy and tackles some kids. John unties B&B Lady and yells to Danny, take the girls and run. You guys go. And they get chased with a kid with a a makeshift spear. Okay. (laughs) So we went went from slow-mo farm equipment to javelin tossing. And this is yet another moment in the movie that to me, I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but it's comedy gold. When, is it Jedediah? I can't remember his name. When he throws it so fucking slowly, he lobs it and John (laughs) just catches it midair. And we know that he's no gold medal winning athlete, but he just catches it. The look on the kid's face. Oh shit. (laughs) He turns it around. It's like, wait a minute, you're not even moving. I can throw it back at you. And he fucking impales him with it. It's like, this, he could have just run. Why didn't yes. he run? What the fuck? I guarantee you he would have missed. If he was moving target, he would have missed. 
It's absurd. That whole moment is, is absurd. Is, picturing it is so stupid. So John and B&B lady then run off and Micah yells, go get them. John proceeds to set more fires. Gonna just burn down all the corn, I guess. So the kids are chasing everyone through the field and there's footage now, which they have recycled from the first film of the he who walks behind the rose corn deity uh, grabber from Tremors. I don't know what this thing is. Graboid under the ground. Yeah, this is the first and only time in the whole fucking movie that you see that. And it's like, wait, what? What that happened to footage from the first? What movie? happened to deity cartoon night vision goggles? What happened to that? What is this thing under the ground? Is it going to pop up out of the ground? Is it the Tasmanian devil? Is it a mole? Is it a graboid? What is it? He who walks behind the rose is now underneath them. What the fuck? <laughs> he who walks beneath the rose. <laughs> yes. He who burrows beneath the rose. Get it right, Micah. So everyone gets caught when there's some winds that kick up. Micah is saying Danny will now be sacrificed with the others because it's the blood of the people who've defiled the corn that needs to flow into the earth. But he gets zapped by this blue lightning stuff, falls and gets like caught his robe or something, caught into that piece so of equipment. He spends like two full minutes getting tased by the corn <laughs> and screaming the entire time. He could have easily just moved away from whatever that continuing to roll slowly farm equipment is. But oh no, instead he makes the number one mistake in an action movie, which is wearing a cape because it gets caught in the equipment. What the fuck? I, I don't get it. And then the whole thing with where, where it's like, oh, here comes the demon. We're, we're actually going to see what he's possessed with. And it's this weird moment of the CGI but then there's this really cool practical effect shot where it's like, oh, they done did up his face for real. And then it goes back to the CGI bullshit again. Practical it's, it's effect a, makeup is fucking rad. Yeah. It's a slow, weird, confusing death. It's in no way scary. No, but his makeup made me wish that they had done a whole lot more of that. Yeah, I know. It looked really cool. And they just, they ruined it. They only showed it for a second. Then they ruined it with that cutting edge CGI again. And then my question with that was also his material of his, what he's wearing, his robe thing gets caught in that equipment. How does it not just rip it off his body or pull him in immediately? <laughs> right. Again, it shouldn't be happening this slowly. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of room to make better choices in these slow, painful moments. Yeah, that's true. Because he's, he's sitting there pleading for his life. He's like, I'm your friend. Help me. Because we see the zippity zap of the entity leaving him. And then he's just back to being emo kid again. And gets killed. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a unceremonial death. It's like, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't really, I don't know. But it's like that that moment of the cool makeup is what struck me. Because I was like, I guess this movie is very, very 90s. Because that explains the 90s. Like some really cool shit overshadowed by some really cheap and tacky shit. That's yeah. very 90s. So... <laughs> <laughs> So John tells Danny to run as the fire spreads. John grabs Frank because he's injured. And Danny watches as Micah's face does the demonic thing. He gets killed. He doesn't help him. And everybody just takes off. Like, Micah's dying. Uh-oh. Wah-wah. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, but he turned human again, you fuckers. Why wouldn't you help him? That made me sad. 
bad. So the fire completely spreads. John holds Frank as he dies and he gives a very half-hearted, come on, come on, don't die. You know, that whole don't die on me bullshit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He, he's just wondering when he can go have his third dinner. <laughs> he hasn't eaten in 45 minutes. He's getting hungry. So we cut to daylight. John and Danny set up a pyre and they burn Frank's body because that's how that works in Nebraska. <laughs> I, I guess you, you light another fire in the dry cornfield. Okay. And just burn this man instead of turning his body over to the coroner or. <laughs> yeah. What? I mean, did he, did he leave some kind of written instructions on what he wanted done in the event of his death? Uh, how did you know that he wanted to be burned like that? I don't know. So Danny asks Lacey if she meant what she said before with the I love you stuff. And she says, oh, I would have said anything to get myself out of that mess, but we can talk about it in New York. At least she was honest. <laughs> But she's being very presumptuous, like, oh, I guess I'm going to New York with you now. <laughs> okay. I mean, they've been through a lot <laughs> together. So I think by now I can understand her motivation and wanting to get the fuck out of here. So the four of them walk off about 10 feet away is sitting this cherry red convertible in the middle of yeah. the corn. <laughs> Whose car is that? Where did it? Is it wannabe Demi Moore's car? Did she have her car earlier? I don't fucking know. I don't think I've ever said I don't know as many times in such a short period of time. I know out of all the movies that you and I have ever talked about like this, this is the first one where literally every other sentence is I don't know what's I happening. Do, I don't know. <laughs> so they are going to drive off. And I might add that B&B lady whose name we never find out. I guess it's Angela. <laughs> according to IMDb, uh, they're still in their white sacrificial garb that they had been wearing when they were on the pyres. Mm -hmm. But it's the next day and they've set up this big elaborate thing to to fire up uh, Dr. Red Bear and they had the car packed ready to go. So you're telling me in all that transition time, they didn't change their fucking clothes? I guess not. But I mean, we saw her hygiene habits earlier during that sex scene. So maybe she's not too concerned about changing her clothes. So B&B lady asks, what do we do about the children? To which John replies, tell their story and let the healing begin. <laughs> Wait, what? Um, what? What? There's still murderous children running around out here. What are you talking about? They didn't all die. No. Yeah. What the hell is he going on? Again, I don't know. So John and Danny will now be mending their relationship, I guess. <laughs> why they barely did anything in this movie that and Danny insinuates that John can maybe get his job back at Newsweek. I find it hard to believe that man ever worked at Newsweek. There's new information that we didn't have till now. He apparently was on a downward spiral and that's how he became a tabloid reporter because he used to be a big time reporter. New information that we got in the last 30 seconds of the movie, but okay. But also knowing what we know about him, I find it hard to believe. <laughs> I, I think we understand why he was let go from Newsweek. <laughs> So they drive off and we fade on to Frank Redbear in full traditional Native American garb because we have to put a nice pin on this shit that right. makes no sense. <laughs> it shows him at the rocks, the ones he was showing earlier to John with the painting. He says, this signifies that the spirit will part the corn and let through the one who finds truth within himself. And then he he walks off slowly and disappears into thin air as hopeful, whimsical music plays. <laughs> so many questions. First of all, who is he talking about? Because I know he is not talking about John the reporter. He can't be. <laughs> 
No. Who who actually was the hero of this movie? I'm very confused. <laughs> well, we never find out really because we immediately now fade to black roll credits at the end. So that's it. <laughs> okay. I mean, why did you leave me hanging like that though? Where's the sequel where somebody goes into these haunted woods that are near a cornfield and seeks out the wisdom of the ghost of Dr. Redbear? I'd be here for that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I want the Native American legend version. That that was far more interesting than this other horse shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Any other thoughts or feelings on this before we jump to three questions? Oh, I think we've gotten them all out of our system as we've gone, right? All right. So question one, uh, I asked you about the original when we were getting started here, but have you seen any of the other sequels? And if so, what did you think as a whole about the franchise? (laughs) Uh, I've never seen any of the other sequels, and that would be because I've unfortunately seen this one. So can you blame me? (laughs) Okay, so I've seen a few, but just to run through them real quick, we've got part three, which comes after this called Urban Harvest in 95, which has Charlize Theron in it. (laughs) I was shocked. We've got four, which is The Gathering in 96 with Naomi Watts and Karen Black. Wow. Okay. Then we've got five, The Fields of Terror from 98 with Eva Mendez, Alexis Arquette. Oh, no way. Okay. Then we've got six, also 666, Isaac's Return in 99 with Nancy Allen and Stacey Keach and his mustache. And what I didn't understand was it says uh, in the plot, I haven't seen it, Isaac awakens from his coma. So the kid that played Isaac in the first one, he's back. Could be and good, he could was, be bad. He was in a coma? After he was disintegrated to oblivion in the first one, yes. <laughs> it, that's because that's how you get put into a coma. Okay. Okay. <laughs> then we have Revelation in 01 with Michael Ironside. That my God, my interest. I thought there were maybe like up to a part five. I can't believe how many there are. I did not know. <laughs> so in, in this one with Michael Ironside, one of the things I saw on IMDb is that a stripper gets strangled by corn. <laughs> I was like, okay, plus Michael Ironside, I might have to watch that one. (laughs) So they really go all in on the corn by this point. Okay. Then we get Children of the Corn 2009, which is a straight to sci-fi channel remake of the original. Did not watch that one. Uh, Children of the Corn Genesis 2011. We've got Billy Drago in that one. (laughs) I liked him on Charm. So I was like, he's probably the villain, I'm guessing. Then we've got Children of the Corn Runaway from 2018. Your face is killing me. You didn't know all these existed. (laughs) I had no fucking clue. I thought there was maybe like up to a part five and it stopped after like the year 2000. I had no idea there were this many. They're going for, are they trying to compete with the Hellraiser series? Like they're trying to do as many terrible sequels as possible. Yeah. These last couple entries. This the last one is Children of the Corn from 2020, loosely based on some GMO nonsense is why the corn is bad, I guess. Okay. So... I'm guessing a few of these scripts, like you just said, I was going to say this, the Hellraiser series, where somebody had a script and they go, oh, we'll just stick Pinhead in here. Boom, we got a Hellraiser movie. So they probably took some of these scripts and went, stick some corn in there. There you go. It's <laughs> two another go. I love it. Okay. So really, you've seen none of them after this I one. I have seen one and two. And like I, wow. li- like I asked, can you blame me? After seeing this, this sets a bar very slowly, sets a bar that really would be hard to surpass. So I never bothered. So at least put down 
Revelation from 2001 with Michael Ironside because I'm going to go seek that one out. I want to see a stripper get strangled by corn. Oh, trust and believe my curiosity has been piqued. I had no idea there were that many and now I kind of do want to watch them. What the hell? Yeah. All right. Question two. You, Nikki Flicks, you are driving through rural Nebraska. Your car breaks down near Gatlin and you find yourself in the middle of all this nonsense. What do you do? I take off my human suit and join the party. I'd be like, yo, what's <laughs> up? We're kind of like cousins. I'm not in the same demon family, if you will. But I think we're loosely related. I would definitely join in. Micah seems like my kind of homie. I think we could have some fun at the bonfire. I would totally join in on these shenanigans. Okay. Uh, so would anybody be with you or it's just you? I would never drive through rural Nebraska with anyone. <laughs> if I was there, I'd be alone and it's probably a suicide mission. So whatever. I'm throwing caution to the wind at this point. I would never be there if anyone I cared about still existed. I, my answer was similar. Mine was I would never subject anybody to that. <laughs> yeah. Just me. And I'm with you. I would probably play dumb for a little while so that nobody would try to corn me in some way <laughs> and then try to sneak the fuck out. I would have walked the fuck out if my car didn't work. Bye. I'm yeah. walking. I'll wait for that Pretty Tuesday sure. bus. <laughs> yep. Or I would knock Barbie off her crotch rocket, hop on and sail the <laughs> fuck out of there. Yeah. She's tiny. I could take her. That is perfect. All right. Question three. I thought it would be fun if we did some mashup slash crossovers with Children of the Corn. I asked for help on social media. So uh, the example I gave to get everybody inspired was if we mixed Children of the Corn with Beavis and Butthead and we got Children of the Corn Holio. <laughs> so that was to get the ball rolling. I would like to know from you before I give some listener shout outs. What did, what did you think? What, what did you come up with for mashups okay. for Children of the Corn and other properties? Okay, so picture it. Gatlin, 1994, former military man who's been out of the country studying martial arts, comes to town to teach at the newly restored high school and whip these crazy Gatlin kids into shape. The mean streets of Gatlin won't know what hit them. All these murdering, possessed, evil little children need is a tough mentor with a heart of gold who can get through to them by teaching them capoeira. Mark DeCosco stars in Only the Strong Walk Behind the Rose. What these kids need is a, is a cool adult who listens to them instead of sermons on tape and maybe gives them a hobby, preferably one that involves sick handstands and cartwheels. And you already got Ryan Bowman there. He can get out those little bongos and go to town. Pet Yes. It's the mashup you never knew you needed in your life. I need it. <laughs> That's brilliant. I think it would work. All right. So let me ask you this. On uh, Instagram, irrepressible pictures suggested children of the corn v. the garbage pail kids. <laughs> Ooh, that would who's, get real ugly. Who's winning that? <laughs> oh, the garbage pail kids for sure. Because they're not going to fuck around with sermons and, and, and ceremonial sacrifices. They're just going to get right down to business while Micah's waxing his, you know, poetic and spitting his rhymes. They're going <laughs> to mow them all down and puke all over the place. Oh, yeah, that, that'd be hella fun. I like it. Okay, okay. So what do you think of this one? Our friends at Super Scary Podcast suggested Children of the Corn 17. <laughs> 
shucked to hell. <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody finally gave it the punny name it deserves. Yeah, they're they're using <laughs> one of the great puns we came up with. I love it. Shucked to hell. Yeah, I like it. But see, the the really the sky's the limit with that one because you could do all kinds of things. Maybe we could do a crossover with Hellraiser seventeen because if they got shucked to hell, maybe Pinhead is involved. There you go. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pinhead so, versus the Children of the Corn. Also on Instagram, Nate Mayer suggested Children of the Cornflakes, a tale of John Harvey Kellogg. <laughs> that one had me laughing. <laughs> so I just got real nervous about my breakfast choices. <laughs> Have we been eating toxic duty cornflakes? It, yeah. So now, now I'm real. I'm real nervous. And I, I feel like Kellogg might sue you for that one. I'm on the fence. I, I don't know if it would work. So from Facebook, Robin T suggested the corn maze runner. <laughs> a group of children must navigate a corn maze. Who will survive? <laughs> Ooh, OK, I, I'm into that one. I'm really into that one. I see yeah. a franchise there. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like it's like surviving the game. But children, corn children. <laughs> Honestly, I'm here for anything that involves child on child violence. <laughs> so they're fashioning spears, Lord of the Flies style out of corn. The, the javelin. Yeah, I'm picturing it all in my head. Like it's very <laughs> Hunger Games. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm into it. Good one, Robin. I, I like it. I will buy a ticket to that for sure. And then we've got Darren M. from Facebook, uh, who was also a guest on the show. He did uh, the Weird Al UHF episode. He suggested the cornjuring. <laughs> a Midwest farmer must defend his crops from a cursed doll with an insatiable appetite for corn. Ooh. <laughs> I like it. There's a lot of potential. Just don't ask Patrick Wilson to direct it. For the love of God, don't gonna say do we get vera for this one what do we do you just don't ask him to direct it and we should be okay that's all i'm saying and then the last one suggested on facebook from ted s the corning camp handyman cropsy is disfigured by an accidental dousing with a pot of boiling corn on the cob water <laughs> he exacts his revenge by stabbing teens with weapons fashioned from corn cobs <laughs> And he notes the creamed corn sequence is not for the squeamish. Ooh, okay. No, he's like thinking long game. He's already in pre-production on this shit. That's good. I like that. That sounds like a really fun movie, actually. Very creative. I'm, I'm into that one. That one might be my favorite one, I think. That's why I saved it for last because that one had me rolling. These were some great creative suggestions. So yeah. thank you everyone to, to everyone who sent them. Myself, I couldn't really come up with any as good as the other suggestions. I was, how do you make this franchise better? Even mashing it up doesn't quite do it for me. I, I <laughs> couldn't come up with any. I mean, you could just lean into the Stephen King of it all, mash it up with it and have Pennywise come through and mow all the fuckers down. <laughs> just, oh, you, you got a problem with children? I know who to call. Oh, that's such a good point. <laughs> mm -hmm. He takes the form of your fears. He wouldn't be some graboid underground. He'd have to be something super creative. Like what would bloated Joseph Bologna be afraid of? No, no, no. See, he's going to come for the children because the children are the problem. We got to take them out. Oh. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of their religious Bible thumping parents. So he would show up as like, you know, the, the preacher in the church slamming that Bible on their heads and giving them sermons. And he would just pound them right down to the ground and eat their souls and they'd be done. 
He could come back as the preacher from Poltergeist too. Exactly. I'm into it. All right, everyone. That is going to wrap up our discussion on Children of the Corn 2. If you're interested in watching it, it's currently at the time of this recording available on Amazon Prime, pay streaming on Max and Hulu. I don't know where any of the other films can be found, but I'm sure they're out there in streaming land. I want to thank you for coming back for this episode, Nikki Flicks. It has been a treat. Yes. Or has it been a trick? (laughs) Did we get tricked into watching this hot pile of garbage? I think we did. But it was fun, nonetheless. Yeah, you know damn well, in a couple of years when you've forgotten all about it, you're going to get it out and dust it off and watch it again. Okay, you might have got me there. (laughs) You got me, gal. (laughs) I probably will. All right, everyone. We want to thank you for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Those kids went apeshit and killed everybody. There is a power greater than all, and it is within us. But we know it not. We have eyes, but see it not, and ears, but hear it not. I saw the light that came from the corn. He who walked behind the rose commands that we rid the land of all that defileth the corn. True crime meets the supernatural and the unexplained. Where true crime and chills go hand in hand. Welcome to Total Conundrum, the podcast that explores the dark, the eerie, and the downright mysterious. Join us as we embark on a spine-tingling journey through the mysteries that keep you up at night. We're diving deep into true crime stories, uncovering the most baffling cases, and exploring the twisted minds behind them. But we don't stop there. We're also exploring the paranormal, from haunted houses to cryptids and all the creepy things that go bump in the night. Get ready for some supernatural thrills. And what sets us apart? Prepare for a dose of dark humor as we navigate through the creepy and bizarre. <laughs> We've got it all. Bone-chilling tales, banter, and mind-boggling conundrums. You won't know whether to scream or laugh. So grab your favorite snack, turn down the lights, and join us for a roller coaster ride of true crime and the supernatural sprinkled with a bit of comic banter. Stay curious. Stay captivated, and let's dive into the world of Total Conundrum. Now available on your favorite podcast platform. Get ready to be captivated, creeped out, and cracked up with Total Conundrum. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Total Conundrum. Please make sure to check out our website and blog at totalconundrum.com. For news, upcoming events, merch, bloopers, and additional hysteria, you never know what will pop up, so be sure to follow along. If you want to show your support for Total Conundrum and gain access to all of our bonus content, please visit our Patreon page. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The links are available in our show notes. 
If you have any questions, comments, recommendations, or stories to share, please email us at contact at totalconundrum.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the love. Keep on creeping on, mother cluckers. Listeners, Movie Miss here saying we know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. So we want to thank you so much for listening to ours. Please make sure to find us on our socials and join us. Be part of our bad movie conversations. We want to chat with you. We're on Facebook with an official page as well as a Let's Talk Turkeys discussion group where you can talk with other like minded individuals who like bad movies. We're on Instagram at Let's Talk Turkeys. Our Twitter handle is at Gobble Podcast. That's G-O-B-B-L-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And of course, you can always email us direct. We would love to get suggestions from you of movies you would like us to cover. If you want to be a guest on the show, we would love that. So directly, that's Let's Talk Turkeys, all one word, at Yahoo.com. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.